Okay. Uh, I'm on, right? Okay, great. Um, hey, everyone. Um, I am Adam Ringo, and I'm one of the elders here at Soma Midtown, and uh, delighted to be with you, to be in this passage. Um, this is a, a really a beautiful narrative of a storm, and we're going to use this storm today as, as a metaphor for suffering, and, uh, and Paul's going to show us uh, what it looks like to show up in suffering, and so that's what we're going to see. Uh, it's pretty weighty, and, uh, and, and suffering is not an easy task, so be, be gracious with me. Um, we'll rely on the scripture today, and so that's really good. Um, so let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, thank you um, for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us Paul. Um, we confess that, that we're, we're weak uh, in the midst of suffering, and uh, we want to be encouraged today. Uh, we want to be encouraged to see how your scripture tells us this is, this is what it looks like to show up, and these are the truths um, that you can hold on to in the midst of suffering. Amen. So, um, one of uh, my, my daughter, Rosie, it's her birthday today. So uh, she's five, blondie with some new earrings. Um, that happened yesterday. And uh, up until yesterday, I think my daughter's like, biggest moment of suffering is when she doesn't get enough chips at lunch. Like my daughter is obsessed with chips. Um, like that's, that's her diet, that's what she wants. Um, but yesterday, she got her ears pierced, and now that is the greatest moment of suffering she has ever experienced in her life. Um, she got the first side pierced, and then it was like, oh no, not doing the other one. Um, why we didn't do them both at the same time, I don't know. Why we, why, why we even got her ears pierced, I don't know. Um, it's what she wanted, we didn't force her, we're not bad parents, I promise. Um, I got to, uh, Rosie is our only girl, and, and she's, super special to me, she's super special to us. I think I've got three other boys and they're rascals and she's amazing and so it's like, ah, we, we had our fourth child in January and I was like, ah, why didn't you give me another girl, you know? Um, but he didn't, there's a reason for that. In my suffering, um, there's a reason for that, but, but, but she's super special. And this week we picked her up, or she was in VBS, her and Abra in VBS this week. And they gave us a CD with all these songs on it. And they're, they're these just, just traditional, like, Christian great songs. And they say truths about her, her father, her, her heavenly father, and how good he is. And she's in the back of the car, and she's singing. And she's like, oh, it's, it's super sweet, right? As a father, you, you hear your daughter with her precious little voice, like, oh, singing about her God. And, and what's cool about that is that She's going to keep singing those, and, and hopefully um, she'll continue to sing those, and one day she'll experience suffering that's way beyond her ears, right? She'll experience um, real suffering, just like if you fast forward 30 years, she'll be the exact same age almost as her parents. And uh, this week, we, her parents got a call from their best friends in Louisville who said, hey, um, our best friend, one of my best friends, I've known this girl since uh, I was my youngest son's age, six months old. She calls and she says, hey, um, 
My mom has pancreatic cancer, stage four. Like, oh, man. Um, okay. And it's pretty much a death wish. It's a death sentence. That's really, really hard. And so what Paul's showing us here today is he's showing us how to step into that storm. He's showing us, um, he's going to teach us how we are to show up. Um, and and when, when Molly calls and says, hey, my mom has stage four pancreatic cancer, he's showing us, like, this is, this is what it looks like to respond. And so that's what I, I want to teach us today. We have a phenomenal opportunity uh, when storms happen, and they will happen, we have an opportunity to respond in such a way that it is, it is a, it, it, um, it, we become kind of an exemplar for the truths of the gospel. When we respond in a storm in such a way, we scream to those around us, this is the God I serve. These are the truths of the God that I serve. So, we got a great opportunity. Paul, and I promise I'll, I'll I'll try to stop crying for you, um, but, but this one's real. This one's personal. It's kind of funny that this is what I was prepping for this week, and then we get that call. So, um, Paul, he has, an encounter, he has an encounter with this massive storm in Acts 27, and I want us to see three things. I'm all about alliteration. It helps, us kinda, uh, t- t- helps me track through. Um, three Ps, all right? Three Ps of which is how he responds. One, he participates. Two, he's patient. And three, he is poised. So Paul participates. We see here in Acts um, several times him, him kind of showing up and participating in the midst of this storm. We heard James last week summarize several chapters um, where, where Paul is... Uh, is beaten, he's not given a trial, he's wrongfully accused, and kind of the list goes on. And then we're back in, in chapter 27, setting some context here. He's like, look, I didn't get a free trial on anywhere in Judea, so um, I'm gonna appeal to Rome. And we know that Paul was already promised throughout Acts, like God says, I'm going to get you to Rome. And so he's on the ship in chapter 27, with other prisoners, with, other, with the centurions, and with sailors who are sailing the ship. And, he, and, he's, and he's gonna get pretty active here. Um, and he's gonna step up and he's gonna participate. He first says, um, hey guys, I've, uh, I've, in verse 9, 10, 11, he says, hey guys, um, I've done this before. Uh, what you're wanting to do, you're wanting to push off in a time of year that's, that's not very safe. Um, there's likely going to be some, some pretty dramatic storms. And, uh, and if, you, if you don't listen to me, like, I, I want you to listen to me because we shouldn't, push, we shouldn't push forward. We shouldn't continue. And he had this credibility because he's been, and, and Axis is likely his 18th voyage by sea. This is his third shipwreck. Um, and so he's got some credibility. He's done this before. He knows the weather patterns. This is like, he's basically saying, guys, don't do it. He's being proactive. He's participating. But they don't listen to him. We, we, we heard that. They go about their way. They hit this nor'easter, which is basically a hurricane. And then we find ourselves in, in going into verse 21 through 24, and he says, hey, um, we're in the midst of this storm. You guys are you're dummies. I told you this, right? He's like, why didn't you listen to me? 
we're in the midst of destruction now. But he has something for him. He says, hey, um, even though you didn't listen to me, I've, I have assurance for you. My God appeared to me last night and told me that not one life would be lost. So take courage. We're going to get you through this. He's pointing to the fact that, hey, there's a plan here. Like, there's a plan, so take courage. Hang on. But they don't hang on very long. If you go down to verse 30, and I want to read verse 30, these goofballs, they're, they're not listening to him for, for yet a third time. In verse 30, uh, you see some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men, yeah, he says, uh, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the skiff and let, let it drop away. See, uh, Paul, the prisoner in this case, is now actually becoming the captain, right? He says, we will not be saved if these sailors do not stay. That's pretty practical because they sail the ship. Like, they're the sailors. They're the ones who know the ship. He's being super practical and saying, I'm stepping in here and raising my hand and saying, guys, um, I'm going to participate in the plan here that God has, but I'm going to be pretty proactive and say, um, we're not going to make it if, if we let these sailors go. That's literal, but there's something else happening here. Verse 30, uh, when he says that, when he says don't let the sailors go, it's interesting um, because he says, hey, uh, we're not gonna survive if you do, but what's interesting is back in verse 22, he says that no matter what, God's gonna save them, right? It kind of feels like a contradiction, but it's not at all. He's actually showing us that we must hold these two things together. In one hand, he holds the truth that God has a divine plan. And in the other hand, he holds the reality that we have a responsibility to participate in that plan. Yeah, God's sovereign, and he has a plan for every storm, just like he did for this crew. But it's also true that God desires to work his plan through us, through you. So when a storm comes, what you do actually matters. Our participation this is the truth. Our participation points to the fact that there is actually a plan, that there is a divine plan. We can't sit back and be spectators. We can't be passive. Now, Paul's pretty remarkable in his life and in his ministry. Uh, and sometimes for me, I don't know about for you guys, but Paul feels pretty unattainable, right? Paul's life, what he does, his courage feels pretty unattainable for me. So let me point to somebody who's more like me, and that's Jonah, right? So the story of Jonah, maybe he's more like you. Maybe you guys are perfect like Paul, but maybe he's more like, I'm more like Jonah. And the story of Jonah, Jonah's all over the place, right? Uh, he goes, he, he, he doesn't go to Nineveh um, because they're an enemy of Israel. And, uh, and, just, and he just doesn't like them for that matter. Matter of fact, he's, he's racist towards them. And he, he does the exact opposite of what Paul did. He ran. He ran from God. You guys know the story, right? God sent a storm, the crew throws him overboard, he gets swallowed by a whale, he confesses in the belly of the whale, and then God eventually, God forgives him, he eventually gets him to Nineveh, gets him to, the, to his point. That sounds more like me, right? Passive, scared, judgmental. But we have the opportunity to be more like Paul, right? To be a leader in the midst of a storm. And look, I, I don't, I'm not minimizing the reality that evil and suffering 
are, are really, really, really scary. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing the fact that brokenness is not fun to enter into, but it's our invitation. Let me say this, if your, your friend's mom is dying, then, then drive three hours that day to be with her. If your friend has a sexual addiction, be their accountability partner. If your best friend's husband just died at the age of 61, go take care of their home. If your college roommate is struggling to make friends, invite them to hang out with you. If someone is deeply doubting the truths of scripture, go process with them. When someone is wondering why all these bad things are happening to them, all they may need you to do is not show up and just preach scripture to them, just be present. Be present with them, be there with them. Because hard things are gonna happen, and, and, and I don't want us to be like Jonah, I want us to be like Paul. So what I've done here thus far is, is, is simply show you that there is a, there is a plan, um, it is a divine plan, but there's a lot more, and that's, that's why I've got a couple more points for you. The second one is, is he's patient, right? So Paul is patient. His entire life is one big act of patience, really. Patience through suffering. Here in Acts, he, again, he's, he's pract- or in this specific chapter, he's pa- practicing ridiculous patience. After he tells them, God is going to save them in verse 22. There was at least some time, right? Right after he says, I'm going to save you, it doesn't say that they were instantly saved. There's some time here, days, hours, I don't know, where this storm continues. And if I were in the crew, um, I'd be like, "Uh, look, man, you just told me I was going to be saved. We were going to get through this, take courage. But this storm is just rattling us. You're losing credibility with me. God's promise doesn't really feel all that real. Clearly, some of them, some of them did, because in verse 30, they try to get off the ship. And Paul could have easily lost his patience here, but he doesn't. Instead of losing his patience, he, re, he, re, he reiterates something um, in verse 34 that I want us to see, because it's really beautiful. Um, it, and, and Paul, writing this, would have been really intimately um, aware of these words that Paul says in verse 33, because he wrote them in Luke 21 when, when Jesus said them. And so let's look at verse 33 and 4. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food. So it's been like 14 days. They haven't eaten. They've been fighting a storm. This, is, this, is, this makes sense, right? You should eat something because uh, if you don't, we're not surviving. <laughs> Like, uh, you're, you're literally going to die of starvation. Today is the 14th day that you've been waiting on going without food, haven't eaten nothing, so I urge you to take some food, for this is for your survival. Since none of you will lose a hair from your head, that's the key phrase, since none of you will lose a hair from your head, after he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them, and after he broke it, he began to eat. Let's go, so, so hold on to that phrase, since none of you will lose a hair on your head. Remember that. Go over to Luke with me, if you don't mind. Luke 21. I'll give you a second to turn. I want you to see these, these words. Luke 21, uh, verses 18 and 19. Um, he says, uh, Jesus is speaking here. He says something very similar. Luke 21, 18 and 19. But not a hair of your head will be lost. By your endurance, gain your lives. 
but not a hair on your head will be lost, but by endurance gain your lives. He was talking to the people of the temple, and he says in verse 18, you know, he says these things, and some other version, versions say they add in on top of, but not a hair of your head will be lost. Then by your patient endurance, you gain your lives. See, just before, he's telling the people in the temple here that there's going to be some dramatic suffering. If you, if you just go back, which I encourage you, if you go back and read that whole chapter, he talks about some really dramatic suffering that's coming for the people. But what he promises here is by your impatient endurance, you will gain your lives if you choose. What he's saying is if you choose to invest your heart in me, your souls will be secure. See, Paul says in verse, 40, verse 34 uh, of Acts 27 to take the bread for survival, very literal, take the bread for survival. What Jesus is saying here is take me and you will have eternal survival. And when storms happen to you, you will find the motivation to be patient. When the world around you is in disarray, you will be okay. Being patient in storms is not easy, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say it is, uh, mainly because oftentimes our hearts are with something other than God. If you all live for, if all you live for is your job uh, or, or your number of Instagram followers or certain political decisions going your way, I mean, you fill in the blank, sexual you know, intimacy, whatever is, whatever is your like, ideology, whatever you idol, right? Then those things are going to own your love. You are handing your souls. When, when you love those things, you're handing your souls to them. And they then have title to your heart. And when suffering comes along, this is, this is what's scary about that. When the suffering comes along, all these things that are taken from you, all these things that, that, that um, you once were putting your love in, and they're gone, you're crushed. You are certainly not going to be patient. Likely, you will end up exactly like what the, the, this crew was on the ship in verse 20. Finally, all hope was fading that they would be saved. And sometimes, God needs to get us there, right? He needs to get us to that point in, in our suffering so that you find him. We're saying, you know, I sought the Lord and he answered. Sometimes he wants you to seek him. He gets you to a point because he wants you to seek him. If you patiently endure storms, you will know that God wants you to choose him. If you patiently endure storms, you will know what desperation feels like. If you patiently endure storms, you will begin to know, you will start to know that God intends good for you. That's the truth. In, in patience, we reveal to others, in our patience, in Paul's patience, he's revealing, you have the opportunity to reveal that there is a purpose in all of this. Your suffering is not meaningless. Now, I, that's beautiful truth. There's no doubt about that. But some of you are sitting in this room, and a matter of fact, some of the people that I, I, I mentioned earlier, some of you in this room have had really hard suffering. Some of you guys have sick parents. Some of you guys have sick kids. Like, there's real suffering going on in this room. And some of you are looking at me. Maybe Molly Roberson, maybe, maybe her mom is suffering with pancreatic cancer. If she was sitting in here, she'd be like, hey, that sounds good. But you have no idea. You have no idea what I'm going through right now. What I'm going through right now surely doesn't feel like there's a point. Surely doesn't feel very meaningful. And that's completely fair. 
right? That's completely fair. Let me say something to you. What I want to say to you as your pastor, as, a, as somebody who cares about your personal life, I don't know why these things are happening. I don't know what to say to you necessarily. And I surely am not going to say to you that you're absolutely going to be delivered from this. Because you may not. Not on this side of heaven. God has a plan and a point, but I don't want us to believe that, it's, that it always works out the way that we want it to. I'm not trying to rationalize today why, why every bad thing happens, and I'm certainly not trying to philosophically answer why, suffer, or why evil and suffering exist in the world, because you've got real pain, right? But what I am telling you is that it's not pointless, and we have to hold on to that. John Piper says, every millisecond of pain you are experiencing in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get in heaven because of that. He's saying, when you choose me, when you, you seek me, seek the Lord, you try to, 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 to follow him in the path of obedience, I am telling you pain's gonna happen. I'm telling you suffering's gonna happen. But in that suffering, there is a peculiar glory that God is, that is, that God is creating, that he's producing in you, that you may not experience here, but I promise you, you will one day. Rome, Paul says in Romans 8, 28, all things work out for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. This verse is not trite. It's not uh, uncompassionate. A better translation of this verse, God works all things together for ultimate good. With and through those, with and through those who love him and are called to his purpose. It's a call to this purpose. He's not saying that we will always know why there's a storm um, or even, you know, fully grasp the good in every storm. But he is saying this. He's saying, I want your heart. He's saying, God wants your heart. He's saying, we are to partner with God in bringing about his redemption in the world. And that from the vantage point of heaven, all things are working towards an ultimate good. Our responsibility is not to try to explain the evil and suffering. It's to partner with him to bring about his purpose. But we may not ever get to know why. And that's tough. But here's some encouragement. Job. You guys know the story of Job? Um, if you've read Job, it's really hard to get through that passage, that book. Like, it's, it's kind of disheartening. I mean, Satan appeals, or Satan comes to God a couple times, and he says, uh, I mean, a couple times, and he says, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test, test Job here. Job, I mean, Job's suffering is unbelievable, Any, unlike anything, you know, it feels like I've ever experienced, certainly. And, he, and not only does he do it once, but he does it again. And, and you get through the whole book of Job, and you're kind of left in despair because at, the, at some point you say, hey, wait a second. He doesn't even tell Job why he's in suffering. But we know something, right? Job obviously, you know, goes on, is in, is in heaven, so however many years later. Um, millions and millions and millions of people have read the book of Job and have been encouraged through their suffering because of his life. Millions of people. There's a point. There's good. Paul never even got to know the good. Or Job never even got to know the good. But he does now. He does now. 
Even though we may not be delivered on this side of heaven, we can patiently await for that future glory. We can trust that God is doing something in us and it's for our good. And lastly, this is really important. Paul shows us the power through his poise. He shows us the power through his poise. Several times in, the story, in this story, Paul reminds the crew that you gotta stop freaking out, right? He says, you, you fall into despair because you think that my words aren't true. You, you are questioning me, you're freaking out, you're trying to get off the ship, you can't get off the ship, you are sailors, right? Don't do that. Like, what in the world are we gonna do without you, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, the sailors at one point, I mean, they're just so panicked, right? And I don't blame them. They're in the middle of a storm. They're in this, I don't know what the ship looked like. This is forever ago, right? Like, they, they didn't have the technology we had. They're in this old wooden ship, most likely, in the middle of hur hurricane force winds and, uh, and, and waves. I'd be freaking out, too. But Paul's poised. He's poised, and the fact that he's poised keeps him alive, right? Let's read verse 20 through 23 real quick here. Um, verse 20, when you see Jerusalem, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm back in Luke. Let me go back to Acts 27, verse 20. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, you men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete sustain, uh, and sustain the damage and loss. But now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. And this is the important part here. For the last night, an angel of the, of, of the God I belong to and serve stood, hold on to that, stood by me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar, and indeed, God has graciously, graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. Paul says, I have something better to offer you in this storm. He says something much greater than I could, I could offer you with my own strengths or knowledge or experience or, or anything in my power. He says, it is the presence of God. What I have to offer you is the presence of God. Go back to that language. It says, the God I belong to and serve stood by me. Paul is saying he belongs to God. And that's beautiful, beautiful covenant language right there. When you choose God, when you're patient in suffering, right, and you look to him and you say, I want you, he never lets you go. You belong to him. That's what Paul's saying. But then he says something else. He says, and he, this is the hope, he stood by me. God is actually there through the angel. He stood by him. He shows up. And look, God, God did not create the world with storms, with evil and suffering in it, but because of sin, it's here, right? But what God does promise is that he will never leave us. Our God will not abandon us in the storm, and that, that's the best truth. That is the best truth. But we don't always believe that, right? Oftentimes, we feel like we are alone in the storm, or we think there's no way God is good if he is allowing us or is, he's allowing for this to happen, or we think that God is punishing us or he doesn't care, what happens then? We do the exact opposite of poise. We panic. We doubt. We despair. 
See, these are often the mistakes we make in suffering. We believe these lies. And here, Paul's not freaking out. He was poised. And that's the, tr- that, that's the good news, is Paul's poise was revealing that God is always with us in the storm. He's right next to us. He's crying when we cry. He's agonizing when we agonize. He's screaming when we scream. I lost my point here. But he's screaming when we scream. Hold on a second, guys. I lost my, I totally lost my page here. I'm sorry about that. When we are poised in suffering, we are transferring that same calming presence to others that hopefully points them to Jesus. This is the good news. But how we can be sure, like, I question, like, this is great news, right? This is great truth, but I, I'm, I'm happy that God is with me in suffering. I'm happy to know that truth. I'm happy that, that he presses in. But I don't necessarily feel it, right? I don't necessarily always feel that, and it's hard to be reminded of that truth. So I want us to see how we can. Each other. We, we are able to remind each other of God's presence in suffering one of the greatest examples of this right now um, is the fact, and, and Lauren Wiley talked about it this morning uh, in her prayer for renewal, is that families, dozens and dozens of families are fostering children uh, from other countries who were sent out of crisis unaccompanied at really young ages. They are coming here looking for something, something better, some respite, some opportunity, whatever it means for them, and you, you families are stepping in to the storm where so many things about our God could be doubted and your poise, your calming presence is showing them that our God's presence is the most comforting thing in the world. And literally, like, you may not even speak their language, right? You may not even be speaking their language, but your presence is all that they need. You can be a beacon of hope. Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. That is what you guys who are are taking in these kids, that's what you're doing. And that's what we have the opportunity to do. That's the invitation And we also know he will not abandon us because of this. In Matthew 12, Jesus is calling himself the better Jonah. God sent a storm after Jonah. Jonah sees the storm. It's a storm of wrath, and he knows God sent it to punish him, which is why in the middle of the storm, Jonah tells the sailors to throw him overboard. Right? To throw him overboard, and they would be saved. They do. He's consumed by the storm. And they are saved. But when Jesus Christ says, I'm the better Jonah, he is saying that there's a storm that you do deserve. But I'm going to endure it for you. Look, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that we deserve this storm. But Jesus says, I will take it on for you. 
I will be abandoned in my suffering so that you don't have to. I will be punished so that you don't have to. I will, put to death, I will be put to death so that you actually have life. Jesus was the better Jonah. He also was the better Paul. Jesus gave Paul a spirit, which is why he has the power that he has to step up and lead through the storm. That's the same power that you have. That's the exact same power. When you accept Jesus, that is the same power that you have. You have the same power that Paul had. And it's because of Jesus that God can be with us in the storm, and it is because of him that we can make it through suffering. Christianity is the only religion in the world that says God is with us in our suffering. He's present. He became like us in the person of Jesus. He suffered like you suffered. He was betrayed like you're betrayed. He's experienced poverty like you have it. He's experienced pain, and he experienced death. He knows what it's like to suffer, and he's going to be there with you in your suffering. And why? Because he's your good father. He's your good father. He loves you, and he wants to save you. That's the good news, guys. That is the good news, um, and that's why you can trust in him, give your life to him, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can become like Paul. He is making you more Christ-like. So, participate in God's plan. Be patient, knowing that there is a point, there is a good, and be poised because he's always present. Let's pray. Father, um, this is tough, but, but we're so thankful for your truth, your realities. Um, this is great theology, but our lives are, are super personal. Um, and... We have to have this theology, but we also need to, to, we need to be present with one another and be with one another. And so give us the power to do that. Um, fill us with Jesus and, uh, and let us take on uh, how he responds so that we can respond in that same way to others. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.